0: Hey, y'all feel like fighters today? You ready to go fight something? Yes? No? Maybe? I um, I had lunch with a guy this week, a friend of mine, and uh, uh, I've been walking with this friend of mine for quite a few years now, just talking to him, encouraging him with some things, and just, you know, like I do with everybody I meet I try to connect with him on that level and um, just revisiting some of his story and re- remembering some of the things I've challenged him and encouraged him with over the years I told him this I said hey don't forget that you can't stop fighting we have this idea in life that one day it's just going to become easy and we don't ever have to fight anymore we just can we can just we've arrived you know we've won does that make sense we've gotten to a spot where we just can rest when it comes to like Um, our relationship with God and the the things that fight against us in our world and we'll get to a spot where it's just easy are you with me we understand this and I I told him I I told him the the reality that there's never going to come a day that you don't fight there's never going to come a day that you don't have to strive harder to walk a little closer to Jesus or walk a little farther away from what you um, what's you know you're prone to wander hello there's always going to be a moment and a time where you have to fight and strive for these things, and um, I, I feel that this week, man. I feel like I don't want to fight anymore, you know what I'm saying? I just want to take a break. I want to rest. I want to take a nap for a long time, you know what I'm saying? Joe, you got this. You're tired too. I'm with you, dude. It gets, it gets exhausting after a while, and I I think that, honestly, that's why... That's why, that's why church is so important to us, because it, it can, we can come back and we can recognize that, you know, here you are with your closest 250 friends, and we are fighting together. You're not fighting by yourself anymore. You're not doing this on your own. We're doing it together. That's, that's a big deal, and you need that. Hey, um, last Sunday, um, we had a record-breaking day. It was, it was crazy. The only other Sunday that we've had more people than we had last Sunday was Easter of this year. And we always expect a big crowd on Easter. We had 591 people were in this building last Sunday. That, that's, that's incredible. Now, listen, I got to ask you, why are you coming? Why are you here? You know what I'm saying? Like, what is the deal? This, this is crazy. I don't, this it's not all about the numbers. I, uh, every time I say something about numbers, Crystal's like, stop talking about the numbers. Now listen, I'm excited. I, I look at this and I'm like, "What is going on here? Like, why are y'all coming to this place? This is a big deal." Listen, I, it's um, clearly there's some life changing moments that are happening in your heart. There's some that are happening in our life. There's some that are happening as in our church as a whole. And uh, I I just kind of am surprised by all of that on on any, any given level. And it's it's just amazing. And we are just products of the grace of God, and this church is too. And so that's we're celebrating. And so man, we're just thankful that we get to be a part of this and all that good stuff. So, hey, we're in this series called Code of Honor, and we're going to look at um, another story from the life of David today in First uh, Samuel 17, no, 18, 19, and 20. We're going to cover all three of those chapters today. Don't worry, I'm not going to read all that. It's going to be a long time. But um, last Sunday, we covered like First Samuel 17, we talked about David and Goliath, and and just this, this amazing concept of we have got to master the minimal. We totally took the David and Goliath story and went in another direction. And, and today we're going to kind of continue on the heels of that story and move on. But to get to that spot, uh, what I want to talk to you today about is just this one simple con- concept about becoming a hero maker. I want you to become a hero maker today. My uh, That's good, right? Aaron's with me. We're reading a book right now called Hero Maker, right? Um, my circle is. We'll talk about my circle in a few minutes, but... My son, Ryder, uh, you all know Ryder, you've prayed for Ryder for a long time. Ryder's got, uh, he's got some eating problems and some growing problems, and he's been that way since he was born. He was failure to thrive for a long time. I remember when we first picked Ryder up from foster care, he just had these like, he was so small and so fragile, his eyes were all sunken in the back of his head, and and he just kind of looked weird. (laughs) It was, it was rough. It was for a long time that was really sketchy, and we, we were just really concerned about him. And we were really hoping that he was just going to grow and it was going to be fine, but he just never did. He was just has always been this lightweight um, little pipsqueak, and his sister Ellie can take him down with no problem. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, but a year ago, it was right, a, right around the start, of our, the start of this place. In fact, we started on July 29th. Uh, the, that was Sunday, the next Tuesday Ryder had to have his feeding tube put in and this was all brand new to us this is like just crazy shocking and, and so you were with us as we went through that and Ryder's grown and and he's gained some weight and he's developed and um, at the beginning of this year they elected to go ahead and you know get rid of the nasal tube and put in a belly port so he's got a belly port in his in his belly right now and he gets fed every night by that and it's funny because now the first time in our life that Ryder's got, a, he's got a belly like, he's fat. <laughs> you, know I mean? you, you look up sometimes like, oh, uh, he'll take his shirt off. I'm like, Rod, are you fat? <laughs> and uh, we actually went to his pediatrician a couple weeks ago. He had a, just a checkup appointment. And this, you could see this doctor was so, like, cautious about talking about this with me. But he was like, you know, Ryder's Rider's getting a little heavy. I'm like, dude, like, let's not even talk about that because for, you know, five years of his life, Six years of his life, he's been too light. So don't tell me he's getting too fat. You know what I mean? We'll pump that kid full of whatever. He, he needs to gain some bones. And the, the the most amazing thing is, is that I I joke, for those of you who have been with us for a lot, all of Ryder's story, you've heard me talk about Ryder becoming a Navy SEAL. Like, I just am praying that into his life. And I don't know that he's ever going to get it. In fact, more I think now he's going to become a baby SEAL than a Navy SEAL. It's just, he's just so... Uh, He's so compassionate and loving and he just does not have that like hardcore nature in him. <laughs> it's just it's hilarious. I don't know, I don't know what's gonna become of Ryder, but I believe the best of him. But um he he loves superheroes. He loves like his favorite is Flash. And so he had this Halloween costume this year. I don't even remember, what was it? Like PJ mask. 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 Okay. So I come home one day from from work, and he got home from school, and he was putting this, he had this costume on, and like head to toe, he's got the mask and everything, and I walk in the house, and I was like, who are you? And he tells me, I don't even know what he said, but uh, I was like, okay, nice to meet you, and he like folds the thing up, he's like, dad, it's just me, Ryder. (laughs) And he pulls it back down, and, and I tell you what, this kid just, he has this concept of I'm a hero, I'm just so amazing. And, and he'll, he'll take it to as far as he can go. And, and it's just hilarious. And, and uh, I, even though it just, let's face it, you think your kids are cute, right? And then there's that moment that they just, you just hate it. Can I get a witness, please? I'm not alone in this. But I love the fact right now, love and hate the fact that everywhere I go, I have to tell writers, stop running around everywhere. He'll come out of his class at Kid's Point and he'll just circles around this building. I'm like, stop it. Stop running through this church. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal at all. I just don't want him to trip over somebody and break his nose or whatever. Last Sunday he made a run-in with a wall or something in Kid's Point, cut his ear, whatever. He's just getting all this energy and I just want him to be protected and safe. I really don't care about him running around, but um, it's just... It's just different you know this boy's growing up and he's getting strong and he's got this hero idea and the I the thing is is that the joy that I see in him about becoming a hero I want to see in everyone that's infectious don't tell me tell me if I'm wrong that you love to be the hero of whatever you love it well let's think about it like this you're like how does this flesh out like for me right now um, my wife put me to work at our house all the time. She does this, and she just comes up with these ideas. She's like, can you do this? Here's the picture. Can you make this happen? Sure, we'll figure it out. So she's got me doing this thing in our, in our foyer, and and the other day, she somebody came to our house, and um, I don't remember who it was. Somebody came to our house, and she just like raved over me, over like all this work that I'm doing, and, and isn't it, you, 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 um, you don't really like to receive those kind of words, do you? Kind of like to close your eyes and walk into another room because I don't like to I don't want to be recognized like that, right? I don't want it. I don't want it. But the thing I do love is the fact that she's treating me like a hero to somebody else. Does it make sense? We love to be the hero in the story, don't we? Don't we? We love to be the hero in the story. In every child, you see them love to be the hero when they when they get some kind of accomplishment and you focus on that and you give them praise for what they're doing, you just see them like you see them grow like crazy, They're just, they just get so proud and just over the moon with, wow, you think that of me, that's amazing. We want them to have those moments, and the reality is, is that inside of us is that childlike heart that loves to be the hero. We love to be the hero. So my concept today that I want you to walk into is the fact that we need to give somebody else, you need to be able to give them the ability to be the hero. You need to become a hero maker. Listen, our world needs heroes, right? The world needs heroes, right? Well, more than our world needs heroes, our world needs hero makers. It needs your job to be able to hand out a hero-making ability to somebody else. I know this sounds really like facetious and almost kid's point level, but listen, the reality is, is that if we can't learn like a child, if we can't learn at, at their level, then who do we think we are? In fact, some of us probably need to stay at kid's point level for a long time until we really get this, until we can really understand it, until we can really become, um, build some, some heroes into people's lives. Um, somehow, here's the, here's the frustrating part, is that somehow, though, you and I have resorted to far less than hero level. Probably um, as a result of one thing, there's just nobody sowing into you that hero status. Nobody's investing in you to get you to a higher level. Nobody's calling out of you, telling you that you can become something greater, that you have potential to do something more, more emphatic or more impactful in the world around you. You have it. You have it. You just got to foster it. Um, one of the biggest obstacles that you and I face is jealousy. Because the reality is, is that if you're going to make a hero, they're going to become better than you. And that's a tough pill to swallow. It's tough to be able to get somebody to a spot where they can, you can launch them farther than you are. But that's, that's exactly what our perspective, and from a biblical perspective, that's exactly what Jesus wanted us to do. One, of our, um, one of, We have these things called, uh, at our church, we have I, I created them a long time ago, but we call them uh, rules of multi-staffing. I didn't know what else to call it, but I just came up with these ideas, rules of multi-staffing. He came up with 10 or 11 of them, and one of them is called Everybody Builds the Team. and It's the idea that it's no one person's job to make sure that our church is staffed when it comes to all of our, all of our areas, circles, the hub, our cafe, Kids Point, our tech team, our worship team, the care team, so many different teams that we have. It's, not, it's no one person's job to make that all happen because we need to be able to carry the weight of our whole church rather than one person carry the weight of their whole team. It just can't happen. And one of the things I told our staff when I was walking them through this idea is, is that if I catch you doing the work, well, you'll be in trouble. I do not know what I was thinking about, like, what trouble you're going to get into. But my idea was is that we need to be able to give people permission. We need to give permission for people to get involved. Everybody wants to know what they can do. They want to be involved with something. So let's give them permission to be involved. I want you to be able to carry the work. I want you to be able to have a piece in this place, too. That right there is an element of like hero making status. I want you to be the hero of this story too. So where do you fit? What do you do? I want you to look today at uh, this story with David and Jonathan from 1 Samuel chapter 18. Um, this this story, usually this story is, it talks mostly about friends. I mean, there's an, an incredible element of friendship that happens between David and Jonathan. But as I was looking at this story, the, the more profound element I got was this idea that Jonathan was pushing David into this hero level. He was making a hero out of David, and I felt like the best thing that you and I could learn today is about this one concept alone. So, First Samuel eighteen, verse number one, it says this: "It says David and Saul finished talking. Now, this is um, post David and Goliath. Okay, this was just 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 happened, and as soon and soon David and Jonathan became best friends. Listen to this line: David thought as much of Jonathan thought as much of David as he did about himself." And as soon as I read that line, it drew me to another scriptural principle that's found in the New Testament. I want to take you there in just a minute. It says this in verse number two, it says, from that time on, Saul kept David in his service and would not let David go back to his own family. I think in this moment, like Saul has good thoughts about David. Like this guy is amazing. He's got some incredible capability. I want to keep him close. I want to be able to foster his leadership. Be able to put him in charge. Give him some some um, ownership over some things because this guy is amazing. He's got some some amazing talent as hand. Now listen, I want I want to take you to Philippians chapter two um, just for a minute. This is not going to be on the screen. This is just extra free free content. Okay, I'll write this down. Philippians t- chapter two. This is the Passion Translation. The Apostle Paul is writing this. He's writing this from prison, and he's talking to a, a, a church of people. Mostly, I like to think about this as he's writing to the pastor, okay? He's writing this letter to the person who's in charge of this church, and this is what he says to this guy. He says his. He says, "'So so I'm asking you, my friends, that you would be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, united in one love, walk together in in one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with unabounded joy.'" And then he says this in verse number three. He says, "'Be free from pride-filled opinion, for they will only harm your cherished unity.'" Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your heart, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness, possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests, and consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. let let his mindset become your motivation. And then he goes on to talk about the example of Jesus, how he became a servant, um, gave up his ability or his status as God, came to this earth and died at a cross as a servant to everybody. And he tells us, that's the example that you should mimic. I use this same passage, Philippians 2, 3, and 4, in every like, pre-marriage counseling session I do, because if we can center on that, if we can master that concept, then your marriage will thrive forever. It's more about you than me. I'm just going to give up everything for you than for me. I mean, we are, by nature, we are selfish. We want what we want from me all the time. That's why we keep secrets, right? Crickets in here this morning. What's the deal? I see this nature in, in Jonathan as he looks at David and he says, Listen, if I can just push you forward, you've got so much potential. You've got so much inside of your heart and inside of your life. And I believe that God's called you something. At this point, we don't know. We have no idea what um, if, if Jonathan knew that David was going to become the, the future king. We have no idea. We have no concept if he had knowledge of that or not. My guess is that he did not. I don't even think Saul knew at this point that David was going to be the next king of Israel. He had, he'd already been anointed, I believe. Um, but We've got this concept that Jonathan is like, man, David, you've got some incredible potential. Verse number three says this, Jonathan liked David so much they promised to always be loyal friends. Jonathan took off his robe that he was wearing, gave it to David. He also gave him his military clothes, his sword, his bow, his arrows, and his belt. David was a success in everything that Saul sent him to do. And Saul made him a high officer in his army. And that pleased everyone, including Saul's other officers. Now, I think that... The one caveat to this is that it did not really make Saul a whole lot happy. Because right after this, in the verses that follow this, in 1 Samuel um, like 18, verse number 6 and forward, it talks about the people singing this song that Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his ten thousands. And in that moment, Saul gets a little bit jealous. He gets a little bit distraught over this because now there's competition. The people like this kid, 17-year-old pipsqueak, more than they like me. And he got mad. He got hopping mad. He got super jealous over this. In fact, I mean, some of you know the story. I don't want to insult your intelligence. He tries to pin David to a wall with a spear at least twice because he's just mad over this. He just wants to see this kid gone. He wants to see it done. It's, it's this idea that Saul wants for him what he wants for him, and he doesn't care what harm he does to anybody else. I have some other opinions about um, about Saul and his composure, but Crystal told me that I should keep it to myself. <laughs> I don't know. There's just some things I see about him. I think the one thing I see from this is that we need to realize that by, tr- by trying to control all the heroes, um, it makes them, whoever them is, the ultimate villain. I mean, if we're using this hero-villain idea, what does it make Saul by recognizing that this kid's got some super potential, but I'm going to stifle it. I'm going to hold him back. I'm going to restrict his ability. In fact, I'm just going to try to kill him. This is awful. I just kind of wonder, like when you look at your story and the people that surround you, do you push them forward or do you hold them back? Because we do have a choice literally in everything we do. I think you could probably look at your life from like the hero being made status. In other words, I have potential and this person's holding me back, right? Can you see that? Can you, see, can you see those people that you, you can clearly identify their face and you can identify their story and the thing that they held you back with, they restrained you. But then I kind of wonder, like, put yourself on the other side of it. Who are you restraining? Who are you holding back just because you want the position and the prominence and the recognition more than you want to encourage them to move forward? Listen, if our, if our world needs heroes, and more than that, our world needs hero makers, what are you going to be? What are you going to choose? Verse, and Let's just fast forward a little bit to 1 Samuel 19. Verse number one, it says this. One day Saul told his son Jonathan and his officers to kill David. Jonathan liked David a lot, and he warned David, my father is trying to have you killed, so be very careful. Hide in a field tomorrow morning, and I'll bring him there. Um, then I'll talk to you, I'll talk to him about you, and if I find anything, I'll let you know. So this whole story goes on. It says, uh, the next morning, Jonathan reminded Saul about the many good things that David has done for him. And then he said, why do you want to kill him? Why do you want to kill David? He hasn't done anything to, him, to you. He has served in your army and has always done what's best for you. You even risked his life to kill Goliath. The Lord helped Israel win a great victory that day. And he made you happy. And Saul agreed and promised, I swear by the living Lord, that I won't have David killed. He was lying. I mean, clearly, right after this, he tries to kill David again. And then it just become all worse. I mean, Saul... Sent an all-out army just to, just to chase David down and kill him. That's, that's over and over and over again. There was just this, this jealous, outrageous, hatred, bitterful attempt. Bitterful, is that a word? No? The teacher says no. Bitter. Full of bitter. There we go. He was just hopping mad. Can we go with that? <laughs> It's just not a good scenario I mean at the beginning of chapter in, in this the rest of chapter 19 you see these exploits of, of Saul trying to chase David down and just get rid of him and in chapter 20 um, it's just come to a boiling point Jonathan doesn't really believe that his dad has this kind of hatred in him even though he's seen it a little bit even though he's asked him and you know he tried to calm him down you know of course I'm you know he's done so much for us of course I'm not going to try to kill him blah 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 Chapter 20 rolls around and they set up this scenario. David's feeling this tension. He's feeling this pinch. Um, I can't be around him. If I get around him, he's, he's going he's gonna to nail me with the spear one time, okay? Like, I, I can't do this. I can't minimize it. And um, I, I got to minimize it. I got to get away from this. And in, Saul, in, in chapter 20, they, they set up this scenario. Jonathan and David have this agreement. They're, they're supposed to come together for this festival. And David's supposed to be there as part of the king's table. And so he's supposed to eat dinner with Saul for a week. And he doesn't. He's like, man, this is not safe. I can't do this. And Jonathan doesn't believe him. You know, just it's gonna be fine. Saul, my dad's not like that. It's gonna be just, just fine. Just come to eat with us. And he's like, no, I, I can't do it. Um, they come up with this agreement. You know, you sit down with your, your dad and you tell him that I went to, co- you know, come up with this story. I'm going to back to visit my family and and uh, see what he says. See what his reaction is. And so the first night they sit down and Saul sees his empty seat and doesn't say anything. He just assumes something. You know, he's not here. I don't know why. Whatever. The next night, he sits down, to, and, he, and David's still not there, and so he asks, he asked, he just asks the blank question, why isn't David here? Where's that son of Jesse? Why isn't he, what's going on? And, and so Jonathan says, you know, he went to visit his family, he went to sacrifice or do something with his family, and Saul gets just hopping mad, and he uses these words. He says, Saul was furious with Jonathan and yelled, you're, you're no son of mine, you traitor, I know that you've chosen to be loyal to that son of Jesse, and you should be ashamed of yourself. Your own mother would be ashamed that you were ever born. Who, I mean, what kind of father would use these words towards his son in this way? He says this. Now, now, here it all boils down to this one thing. You will never be safe, and your kingdom will be in danger as long as that son of Jesse is alive. Now, we've got to put all this in perspective because when you, to, to look at this hero maker idea, with that thought in mind, raises it to a whole new level. Because who Jonathan was, was the rightful heir of the next throne. And he recognizes and sees the fact that here's this kid, David, my best friend, and he's going to make a better king than me. He even says that. Um, in, in chapter 23, we're going to get outside the confines of uh, the the text here that's kind of given to me today, but in in 1 Samuel chapter 23, it says this, Jonathan went to see David, and God helped him encourage David. He says this, don't be afraid, Jonathan said, my father Saul will never get his hands on you. In fact, you're going to be the next king of Israel, and I'll put myself second. What an incredible element. What an incredible idea of just, I see this in you. I see in you something that, is just amazing and i want to do everything i can to help you get to that spot what would it take for or what would it take or what would what would it mean to you if somebody came alongside of you and said man this is what i see in your future this is what i see in your potential this is what i see in your um in your uh whatever let me let me tell you like this um Um, I, I want to talk about my circle for a few minutes here because it's, it's, it's been something that's really been kind of meaningful to us, to me personally. Um, and I, I want to make this blanket statement and say, listen, if you're not invested in a circle, involved in a circle, then you are so missing out. Uh, it is just so life-giving for me, for the guys that do this with us. And that's just mine. And I know that there are so many others that would validate and say the same thing um, Can I get a witness, please? That was kind of half-hearted. But I started my circle back April, somewhere in there. I started it with the idea of uh, that we did the Series 1 thing back in July, and I wanted to just invest into those four guys that were going to speak on the stage. I, I had seen something in them, and I wanted to encourage them and develop them and foster some things in them, and so we started meeting like at a very ungodly time and then tucker tucker's like yes i hate this <laughs> we meet at five thirty on thursday morning at starbucks and listen i'm telling you this because i want to tell you that my circle's open for business it, i don't want it to be us four no more a- anymore okay make sense these guys know this i've already talked to them about this but i have this idea that uh, what what if we what if we just started running open circles to where you can come it's a neutral place neutral time and and we're going to continue. We're going to do our thing. Um, it doesn't have to be there. There doesn't have to be a matchmaker status. But uh, I just want you to come and hang out, and, and we'll have this conversation together. I mean, if if iron sharpens iron, it doesn't really matter what kind of iron it is. It's just going to going to help, right? It's going to it's going to help. And so, listen, if you want to come hang out with us, if you want to have coffee at a really ungodly hour, and talk about uh, some things that the Lord is directing us to, five thirty. Thursday morning, Starbucks, Chambersburg. Sh- Shippensburg soon, but Chambersburg now, okay? Um, but one of the things that I started recognizing is that um, one, of, one of our guys, Rich, Rich Cordell, who's not here today, is Rich is not here yet. No, I don't think so. He's, his father passed away on, on Friday, a Thursday night, and so I'm sure that his family is just kind of wrapped around that today. Um, but you all... Heard Rich say back in July that his dream had died, and that uh, his dream was to start an orphanage in Romania. So, some of you may remember this, some of you may not, but I remember when he said that, and it just stuck with me, I would not let it go. And I, and I remember um, talking about the concept of, you know, your dream's not dead, it's just dormant, you all remember that, that con- con- conversation that we had? And, and I remember one of our circles a couple weeks ago, we were talking about this idea of dreams. And I see in you, and you can do this, and you have this potential, and, and your dream's not dead. And I actually just texted him right after a circle one day, and I said, Hey, what if we together went to Romania next year just to see what God might have? And it blew his mind and to the fact that he started researching. Started pulling together like, what if this could become something? All because we sat down one day and had a conversation about, I see something in you. And it would mean that you're going to leave here and you're going to go somewhere else and you're going to do something bigger and better. And that's my that's my job, that's my passion. If I can push and promote a few guys to become heroes somewhere else, haven't we all won? Isn't that exactly our goal and our purpose and our point? I got a, another little passage that I want you to see today. It's from 3rd John. I can't remember the last time I read 3rd John. It's just like... You sneeze and it's gone. It's just that much. It's just so, so short. But I remember when we were missionaries, Chris and I, we, we went to this church one time in Palm Coast, Florida. And the pastor preached from Third John and he, it was directly to us. It really left a mark on me. Um, not many of our travel things did because we were in so many different churches. But this one left a mark on me. And he talked about this idea, John, who wrote this letter, talked about this idea of launching people forward. And, and so John writes this, he says, from the elder, me, from the elder to my dearly loved brother, Gaius is his name, whom I truly love. And he says, beloved friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and that you are continually enjoying good health just as your soul is prospering. I was filled with joy and delight when the brothers arrived and informed me of your faithfulness to the truth. They told me how you live continually in the truth of Christ. It's the greatest joy to my, to my life to hear that my children are constantly living their lives in, a, in the ways of truth. In other words, he's saying, listen, I see that you're, you've taken the hero I built in you and you're taking it farther. And I'm so proud of that is what he's saying. He says, my beloved friend, I commend you for the demonstration of faith faithful love by all that you have done for the brothers on their journey even though they were strangers at the time. They have shared publicly with the con- conversation, congregation about the beautiful acts of love that you've shown them. Now if you'd be so kind to send them on your way with a generous gift. In other words, keep the hero making moving. Keep pushing them along in a manner that would honor God. You see, it was their passion for the glory of the name of Christ that launched them out and they've not accepted financial support from unbelievers. They're deserving of all the support we give them because through our giving, we can partner with them for the truth. Now listen to this. I've already written you once about this, but this guy, his name is Diatrophes, who loves to be in charge and recognized as first among you, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I'll address what he's doing. Do you see what he's saying? He just just illuminated two contrasts. You, I've created a hero in you, and you're creating heroes in others, but then there's this guy who's a part of your church, and he's all about himself. You, do you see this? This is exactly what God tells us not to do. Listen, I know that you've got some people in your world. I know that you've got some people in your surrounding and in your life, and I know that you've got some people in your surrounding in your life who can go forward and go fast. You just need to give them permission. You just need to unhook them, unleash them with the potential that God has given to them. They don't don't know they have the permission. Maybe it's a a Jesus thing. Maybe it actually has to do with church or Christ or a relationship. But maybe it has nothing to do with it. Maybe it's just a career move. Maybe it's just the fact that, man, I see some really amazing potential in you. And you should work on it. You should foster it. Use some encouraging words to these people in your world. Send them forward. Launch them out. You know, we talked about at the very beginning about Ryder and this idea that every child wants to be a hero. Every, Every one of us has somewhere deep down inside of us has that childlike heart that still wants to be that hero. And I just look at my kids, and I just, I look at them, and I, with the idea of how can we, how can I encourage them? How can I foster this in my own kids? How can I give them the permission to do something that they don't feel like they can do? And watch them and help them and encourage them and foster them with the idea of, man, you've got this. You've got the potential. You just need some opportunity. What if you went home today and just found a few things and said, man, I I could do this. I could trust them to do this. I can there's somebody in my world, in my life, that I can make a hero out of. God, I want to just thank you today for a simple opportunity, a simple idea, a mindset that uh, man can move our world really far and really fast. You know, when it comes right down to it, Lord, every single one of us has people in our proximity, in our circle, in our circumference that have uh, some hero potential inside of them. And I pray that you would just give us the mindset to see that and to do everything we can to move them forward, to launch them, to give them the permission and opportunity for them to become a hero. God, I just thank you so much for what you invested into us. We didn't even touch on that today, the fact that you would come and that you would give us all this authority and permission and then say, you know what, when I leave here, the things that you guys are gonna do is gonna far surpass what I've ever done. I love that, God. We love to be involved with where you're at work. So thank you, God, for who you are, for what you do.